Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Plus Four podcast, exploring the big wide world of Hickory Golf. I'm your host, Rob Berman. Episodes of this podcast reflect the personalities, the passion, and the pursuit of the game as it was played in the pre-1935 era across the world. Please subscribe and hit the like button to help us build our network of golfing fans coordinated in the United States through the Society of Hickory Golfers. And visit us online at plus4.org. Well, gentlemen, thanks for joining me today. We have with us today Carl Nagy and Deal Hudson from the Southern Hickory Golf Society. First of all, thanks for joining me. The Plus Four podcast has been on hiatus a little bit this year. Uh, so we'll be getting back into regular episodes now that the winter is upon us. Yeah, hiatal hernia or what kind of Kind hate? of like that. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I have to say, you know, based on all the social media work that you two have been doing, I think the whole Hickory Golf world wants to hear about your recent trip. There's demand in the air. What can we say? <laughs> so uh, let's start with the WHO, the World Hickory Open. You two were booked to play in that this year. I was as well. And many of us had been, you know, planning to make that trip. That got canceled because of COVID and quarantine restrictions. But I gather that your trip grew out of that cancellation. Is that accurate? Well, yeah, Carl and I uh, talked about it. We felt the cancellation was premature, but no nothing is quite rational these days. So mm -hmm. they did what they did, but they have a great uh, setup for next year. Yes. Royal Dornick and Castle Stewart and great courses up near Inverness. But we said, we want to go to Scotland. We want to play golf. And so we put together a trip of our own around the same time the World Hickory would have been. I mean, we had plane tickets. Yes. Right, Carl? Yeah. yeah, we did. We had the tickets already. So, and I told Deal, you know, I'm sad that who was canceled, but I'd really love to see St. Andrews in Scotland. So if you're, you're willing to go with me, let's go. Mm -hmm. Carl had never been to Scotland. Mm -hmm. yeah, this and for, for me, this became a mission. Yes. <laughs> You know, I had to get my buddy Carl to Scotland. <laughs> Absolutely. I had to get him on St. Andrews, Old right. Court. This just became a kind of burning desire for me to get Carl over there because I know that in my life, I waited way too long to go to Scotland. So I didn't want this young man to wait too long, too. Yes. And Deal, you've played in several World Hickory Opens, haven't you? Five or six, won mm. one of them. Well, that's quite a lot. Amateur title. Uh-huh. I booked my flight as well. I booked my flight very early because I thought when COVID finally goes away, the price of air tickets is going to go up. So I booked my ticket really early. And I think they canceled who largely because the quarantine restrictions hadn't been lifted. Yeah. But presumably those got all lifted before you went. Yeah. Yeah. What about by two months, Carl? Yeah, it was, it was still a waiting game up until the, uh, you know a couple of months before. Then we said, yeah. okay, they want us it, to come. We're going. I was going to fly through Reykjavik. How did you guys go? Amsterdam. But Carl made this typical freshman mistake <laughs> of flying through Heathrow. I did. Uh -huh. <laughs> I, mean, I, I did the same thing with the first time I went to Scotland. And of course, he'll never do it again. And I'll never do it again. Yeah, lesson was learned. So yes. is that having to do with customs and time? Yeah, and just the, the, the mess of the airport there. It it's was like just being a, in a Kafka novel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the castle. Uh, <laughs> so one of the things I'm curious about is uh, packing. Let's just talk about preparation for your trip first. 
Uh, you're going to spend what, 11 days there roughly or more. How do you make decisions on how many pairs of shoes to bring? What kind of a case are you going to bring? That kind of stuff. Let's talk through some of that. Well, first of all, I had to guide Carl through this. Uh, and because I know Carl cares about appearance. I know he cares. Oh, yeah. He, want, he wants to be seen as carrying the torch for Hickory Golf, right? And of course, it takes me two months to plan it what I'm going to wear uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> because every shirt, tie, vest, shoes, socks, it's got to go together. You know? Yeah. Hat. Although I wore this hat the whole trip. That's why I'm wearing it. And uh, the tough thing about packing this time was that the weather reports looked like it was going to be moderate, like in the sixties. Mm-hmm. But Carl, when we got over there, it felt more like the 50s, right? Yeah, it did. At least. It did. It was, a, it was a, a little cooler than I had packed for, which was okay. I had planned to pack for five days. I said, I'll, I'll just pack for half the trip and I'll wash my clothes or what have you when I'm there. And I knew I was going with DL, so I, I had to at least come close to his dress accordingly. So, And I think oh. I did. We went shopping. We went shopping too. <laughs> I saw I saw the tweed jacket, Carl. Very nice. <laughs> uh, what a great shop in St. Andrews! You've got to, anybody who goes there has, to the town has to go to Amor mm -hmm. Men's Store. Fantastic clothes and reasonably priced. But the the thing about packing is two things: that you've got to worry whether it's going to be wet. You got to worry whether it's just going to be cold. So you have to take rain gloves. In some cases, you have to take two pair. Then you have to perhaps even take cold weather gloves, although mm -hmm. a lot of guys I know doesn't seem to bother them. And then there was the issue of cigars and pipes. Yes. So, Carl, how did you handle the cigar? What was your, how did you estimate how many cigars were needed? <laughs> well, I figured, um, first of all, I had looked in San Andrew. I found where the cigar shops were in case, in case we had run out. So they weren't far away. So I pictured, I said, Ballpark, 10 days, five a day, 50 cigars. That, oh that was, <laughs> and, and for me, what, what did you add for me? Well, I, I added about 10 more before I left for you. I said, I'm not going to smoke five a day. Come on. No, I, I probably smoked. <laughs> I said, Dio and I will split the rest. But sometimes it was so windy. <laughs> like when we played Gullen number one, mm -hmm. Rob, I've played maybe two days over there, one at Oscarnish and one at uh, Carnoustie where I was blowing harder in the sense that you could not address your ball without being moved around. Yeah. Uh, we weren't being moved around addressing the ball, but it was a constant, what would you say, 30 to 35 mile per hour wind there? Mm -hmm. At, and with gust of 40? Which, yeah, which made cigar smoking. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. You didn't want to burn your, burn your eyes out. <laughs> No, but, but Carl, um, what about Cubans? Did you pick up any new acquisitions while you were there? I, you know, I didn't. I didn't run out of cigars, so I had no need to ever go to the cigar okay. shop. <laughs> I'll tell you what happened, though, that amusing. I did bring my flask, my good flask, you know, the one that doesn't leak. I've got about eight. Only one of them doesn't leak. Uh -huh. I think all your, your viewers will be able to sympathize with me on that. And we decided that each time we played, it was going to be a match between us, you know, match play. Yeah. And we didn't start till maybe the third or fourth, third or fourth round, but in one round at North Berwick, 
It was the second time we went back. It was pretty windy and pretty chilly. And he was beating me like a drum, beating me like, then Boris comes out on the course about the 11th hole and he hands me his flask. I'm what, three behind, four behind, Carl. Yeah, it was close. I, I had a good lead. You had a good lead. And Boris that is handed, the operable word. handed me his flask and it was ab- unbelievably delicious. I uh-huh. think it was a very a- finely aged Glenn Morangy. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I started feeling like, hey man, I, you know, I can swing. I'm, and I had started hitting the hell out of the ball. <laughs> and uh, by about the, now, now remember, he beat me bad two times. Okay. So we each won three matches and he killed me in two. <laughs> yeah. And, but I came from behind and I think I evened it up about on the 16th hole. I'm just swigging away. I mean, you after did. every shot, I'm, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm right, Boris, where's, where's, Where's the flat? And I actually looked at it, dear. I, I, I was two up with five to go, and you 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 won it two up. So you went on a you went on a, a nice tear. and a North Barrett. And I didn't know what your secret was till now. So <laughs> you saw me chugging. Well, I saw you, but I didn't know that was your secret. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, everybody, all your viewers will know that there have been times in their golfing career when. A little bit of a of a drink at the right moment. Yeah, big difference. <laughs> so, uh, how many pairs of shoes do you bring on a trip like this, Carl? If you pack for five days, how many pairs of shoes did you plan to bring? I, I well, I, I had to dress the parts. So I brought a black pair and a white pair. Okay, but it, it, yeah. if it rained, one of those would have been goners for. Well, I, I wasn't worried about that. I, I okay, needed a brown pair, but because of some of the outfits he wore, but. I took four pair. I took no other shoes. I wore one pair on the plane, which I always do. And I wore my plus fours on the plane. So I could just walk off the plane and play, which we played North Barrack the first day we arrived. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but four pair and three, you know, one in my suitcase and two in my bag. And I wore them all. You know, right. you know I had to have four to go with everything that I was taking. But See, I wore them all. That's where I have to learn. I have to learn that from that. Well, I would think also with all the golf you played, uh, Carl sent me the schedule. There was not a day off. How does that impact your feet walking that many holes steadily? Well, Is for that- me, if you if you notice in the pictures, I wore my white shoes a lot more at the end of the trip than at the beginning because the black ones were a little smaller. So mm-hmm. I wore those at the beginning. When my feet started to hurt, I went to the little bigger pair and just kept the white on the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. I think I asked him why he was limping at one point. And he said, I'm going to start wearing all my other pair of shoes. But I, I uh, Rob, I uh, didn't sleep on the plane going over at all. Nothing. So I, uh, it really impacted my trip. Big mistake. You know, I should have taken something to knock me out. And by about the fifth round, I took a day off. Oh, you did, yeah. I had my son with me, my 24-year-old son, and he was playing with us. And by the fifth day, I mean, I was, I had not really gotten back to feeling robust. And so I took the day off and my son and I went around St. Andrews and I bought him a tweed jacket like Carl's and we had a good, good time looking at the old, old town there. Yeah, that's nice. So you didn't have to quarantine, all of that was lifted. Did you have to do testing somehow on the way or when you got off the flight? I'll let Carl tell this story. Yeah, yeah, we had to do testing. We had to do, we had to submit our test results two days after we arrived there. Mm-hmm. We had to drop it in the mailbox. 
And then before we left, we had to do a test to get back to the United States. So we, we did the test, the two day test when we got there. Luckily, uh, there was a friend because Deal had his, his information mailed to, uh, to Gullen. So the guys from Gullen brought the, the packet of uh, tests up to him. Um, and then on the way out, we, I was, I thought I was smarter, smarter than everybody. I got my PCR test done in St. Andrews. And then Deal had his done at the airport one day as we were driving by there, going to back to Gullen. Well, when I got to the airport on Saturday to leave, they told me the PCR test I had taken wasn't valid for travel to the United States. Oh. So, which actually turned out to be a blessing for you. Which, which was a blessing because they told me to take the, I could go to the airport, take a rapid test, but it didn't open till eight. Test results were probably 40 minutes and my flight was 8.30. So I had already rebooked to stay one more day. And that was the day I had to, I, I put Muscleboro in. I decided right. I was going to drive out there and play that while I was stuck in Scotland another day. So it worked yeah. out. Great. <laughs> and by now the way, if you look at uh, Carl's video, look at his swing at Muscleboro, his drive. He hit, he hit the ball off the tee so well the entire time where I was struggling with my driver, which unusual for me because driver is usually my, you know, one of my most reliable clubs. And so I was constantly scrambling, you know, which fortunately I was able to hit my second shot. Okay. And my pitches and my putts were okay, but I was all over the place. And, uh, but you look at him hit that, uh, what, what were you playing? What ball were you playing there? That was just a McIntyre gutty. Hmm. Well, you gutty ball, and that was just that a long nose Louisville club. Beautiful swing. So you boost, you both knew Lionel Friedman, didn't you? I knew Lionel very well. Yeah, I mean, Musselboro and uh, Gullen, this is his old turf. Well, I, I, uh, every tournament I went to, the first five or six, it was they were Lionel was in charge. And actually, we played Muirfield. Uh, we played 36 one day, but the last time I had played Muirfield was with Lionel. Yeah. And so, but Carl, I was so happy Carl got to experience the old course on the last day. He got to experience Muirfield, the whole thing, the lunch, the dressing, yeah. all that. And he had great conversations with members there. Uh, and then he, North Berwick is my favorite course in Scotland. I mean, the old course being in another genre. All, yes, all. sure. And so he, he really, uh, I think he's, he's ready to go back. And I think we should head north, uh, Carl, to Royal Dornick. I am ready. Believe me, I'm ready to go back. I, uh, I, I advanced my reservation to next year. And uh, <laughs> I if, did you want a great, if you want a great place in Inverness, uh, Johnston's of Elgin, great place to buy uh, tweeds and knits and all kinds of great stuff. Okay. Do you have a hotel recommendation? No, not yet. I did. We rented a castle. I stayed in Inverness once with a whole bunch of friends and we rented an entire castle, but I don't recommend it. <laughs> now, Carl, are you committed to going next year? I'm, I'm not. I haven't been able to convince. Yeah, <laughs> I, haven't, well, I haven't been able to do that yet. No, not yet. Well, you know, you know, read St. Paul, on, you know, husbands and wives and assert your authority. <laughs> <laughs> Now, wait, before well, we get too far into the trip, uh, tell us about your travel cases. How did you pack your clubs? I, I used the club glove, which I think is unsurpassed in terms of protecting your clubs. And uh, I, I, I use the big one, so I use it also as a suitcase. And I, yeah. I make sure it comes in right at 40 pounds, so there's no problem. So to me, there's nothing better than the club glove. 
That's a soft case deal and you have the telescoping arm inside of it? Don't need it. Okay. The, the, the uh, although I, I should use it, but uh, they, I've never had a problem with a club being broken or bent or anything. Mm -hmm. I have the same thing, a club glove with the, I have the telescoping. Yeah. I don't call that thing, but yeah, I've never had a problem once with clubs, so. And did you guys just bring one golf bag regardless of the conditions? Well, I brought my little gutty bag in hope of playing gutty. So right. you did. I brought my six clubs in my gutty bag and eight gutty balls. And it was, I was fearful that I wasn't going to get to use them on the trip, but I did. Okay, one cool. really, Rob, one of the really funny things that were go was going on during these matches is that after, after every hole, we would kind of look at each other and I'd go, if he was one down, one up. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then I'd go, even, <laughs> you know, and so we had this little eye contact go thing going through after every hole. <laughs> and the wonderful thing about it, we were smiling the whole time, regardless of who was going oh, yeah. after what. Yeah. And you guys were largely in East, East Lothian, but also in Fife. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And we'll talk about that in a minute. I know you uh, played in the uh, World Hickory Revival, but before we get to that, did you guys book your tea times before you left the U.S.? Yeah, all our tea times were, were booked. How did you go about that? Deal did a little more booking than I did. Well, you, then you got in on the game, but uh, I did them through the St. Andrews Trust. I booked, we booked directly, of course, with North Berwick, directly with Muirfield, directly with Gullen. We played uh, four, three of the courses, four of the courses at St. Andrews. We went up and played Crail. I must say that I had played Crail before, but I had forgotten how wonderful a course that is. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, we got there, and I won one up, if you remember, Carl. I do remember. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I probably had my best ball striking round there. We had a beautiful day, it was and the grass was green, and the moderate wind. We had cat great caddies, didn't we? Mm. Yeah, we did. And so that's part of the fun. I mean, I, I tell everybody who goes to Scotland, spend the extra 80 bucks on a caddy because it just completely completes the experience. It's far richer. And, and these guys, we didn't have a caddy we didn't really enjoy and we weren't glad we had. No, they were all great. Hey, one of the things the, guy, the guys at Crail told me is they said, um, they said, you must be Mr. Nagy and Mr. Hudson. And they said, we can tell by your hickory clubs. They said, sometimes when we get, or, or many times when they get the golfers coming, if they have unique names, they Google you to see who you are. Mm -hmm. And they found out that Dio and I play hickory golf. So they just assumed those hickory clubs were ours. And they were right. They never asked me about politics one time. I love <laughs> So Dio, when you say you book direct, was that mainly internet or telephone? You know, most, uh, most of these places like you to call them. I mean, mm -hmm. you can do it on the internet. But I've always found it much better because there's usually one or two ladies or maybe three who so you know they you get to know their names and they get and then they work with you once you go to go back and forth. So sure. I um, it's worth it just calling over there and uh, you you almost always get somebody to answer the phone. Yeah. And did you guys ever need to present a uh, handicap card or any evidence of your handicap? Wait, yes, the old we court. Did. And so. Tell them that story, Carl. You were standing there. Well, we did at the old course when they were about to tee off and we, we paid our fees and they wanted to see our handicap card. So I pulled out my phone. I showed him mine. And Dio was trying to get on the society site to show him his handicap there. And he could, <laughs> he was having the hardest <laughs> time. Having a, on. 
<laughs> and so she's like giving me a little, you know, said, we'll see a deal. <laughs> and so, then she started to let down. And finally I said, here it is. It's 5.3. Is that good enough? <laughs> yeah, Cause I had I, all the times I've been to Scotland, I have never been asked for one until then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think St. Andrews uh, is trying to, and I, by the way, I, I'm glad they're doing it, protect itself from getting hackers out there. Yeah. With, you know, and having five, six hour rounds and tearing up the course. Sure. So the benefit of the cancellation of the World Hickory Open, perhaps, maybe I have this wrong, but the World Hickory Revival happened. Can you tell us about that? And was that connected to the cancellation of the Who or was it always planned despite the Who? I don't know if it was going to happen with the Who, um, but I, I think Boris had set it up with the cancellation um, and he was, he was having a two-day event. Uh, the first day he called it the qualifier, which he ended up turning into a gutty event, mm-hmm. which was a lot of fun. And uh, that was at Anstruther Golf. Mm-hmm. And it was great. We, they put us off in twosomes. We went out and played this unique, fun course twice. Um, one of the prereqs for the round was he gave you two gutty balls. And if you lost both, then you were out of the uh, championship. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the steepest hills I've ever climbed in a golf course. <laughs> But we all survived that. And then the next day we went to um, London and we had the- London uh, Links. Yeah, London uh, Links. Yeah. We had a proper event there, a proper Hickory event, handicapped and, and not. And uh, Carl came in third. Wow. Came in third. Were there other international players? Yes. Germans were there. Mm-hmm. There weren't a lot of people. I would say it was about 40 people in the event. Yeah, maybe. And uh, Carl said, I mean, Boris and- I think all your viewers will know we're talking about Boris from Gull- from the Jack White shop in Gullen. Right. His last name is Zeitlow. And uh, he had a lot of cancellations, some because of COVID, others just, you know, how people are. You know, I've always said, if you want to have a party with 50 people, invite 125. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way things are now. But they were, so- we had one guy that just showed up. He was a lefty, right? A German. Yeah. A young German and- guy. He just shows up and he's Boris comes up with left-handed clubs and this guy's a real, you know, really swings a good stick. I mean, he just showed up and he was already dressed to play shirt and tie on ready to go play yeah. some hickory yeah. ball. You know, one of those German types who still has the old school in him, you know? Right. And so uh, he played, he was, he was luminous with happiness. Uh-huh. Yes. He had <laughs> such a fantastic time. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Now, I really hope that Boris will keep it going because um, it's less formal, it's more relaxed, it's more about just having a great time, not so much, you know, winning. And we all know the World Hickory can get a little tense. Mm-hmm. But I mean, World Hickory guys can do their thing and they're doing a wonderful job for 2022. But I hope Boris keeps it going. And he does have uh, some tournaments throughout the year that he sponsors out of the Jack White shop. Yeah. Uh, and overall, tell us about what you experienced weather-wise before we get into the courses. You saw um, a little bit of everything? Well, r- rain, we didn't see much rain at all. I think um, for our round when we were at Anstruther, we had a couple holes of rain and that was about it. Hmm. My umbrella never even left my bag. So it, it, in that we sense, got everything. Uh, we. It was colder than we thought, and on a few days, it was bright and sunny, but chilly. We had, I would say, four perfect Scottish golf days. The others were a mix, 
And so given the uncertainties of Scottish weather in October, I think we, we did a good job. Yeah, it sounds like it. Now, I know you stayed with Malcolm Duck at Ducks Inn on the first night. Give us a little flavor of that. A lot of us know Malcolm and love Malcolm. And uh, I'm interested to hear about the food and the whole atmosphere there. Well, his, his place, Ducks Inn, is fabulous. I mean, if I'm ever going to go in and stay there, I'm staying at Ducks for sure. In tell, him about the car, tell him about the car going, trying to get in the back of the well, uh, hotel. Our rental car was a little bigger than we probably deal I'd hope to drive but it was something we needed because we had the three guys and all our luggage and at Ducks Inn for those that have been there there's a little there's a little alleyway on the side where you drive to the back and park behind the building well when you have a bigger van like that it 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 almost doesn't fit through that opening <laughs> I had or it kind of I guess it doesn't it. <laughs> and we got on the other side and uh, there were white marks on the fenders, <laughs> which by the way, the rental people emailed me about. Did they? So luckily, I had taken all that stupid insurance and so it didn't cost <laughs> me anything. But you know, I think uh, Malcolm serves the best breakfast in Scotland mm -hmm. I, and the best coffee. It is. I'm getting my mouth in my water just thinking about it. And of course, his staff, friendly handsome and the girls are pretty. Um, the rooms are very comfortable and it's a, it's an ideal place for golfers to stay. And uh, mm -hmm. I, I'd like to go over there and just spend two weeks uh, at the Ducks Inn and play, play all the courses around multiple times. Yeah. We, we went down to eat at Ducks the first night we were there and that was after our flight and our golf and we hadn't slept yet. So I was finishing my beer deal went up and I said, okay, I'm just having this one beer. I'm going to, I'm going up. We'll see you in the morning. And then Malcolm came down there and some other guys started talking hickory clubs and five beers later, I'm still down there. <laughs> that was not the plan. <laughs> I, was, I was so happy for Carl because he got to interact with the locals. And it was awesome. Yeah, I, would, I mean, I had not slept since, you know, I got on that plane and uh, I, I, I tore myself away and I needed to, but yeah. uh, Carl really... Uh, I was sort of just watching Carl and hoping that he got all the kinds of experiences that I've cherished over the years of going there. And I yeah. think he did. And, and I can say Duxin has the best figgy pudding that I had on the trip. Mm. <laughs> now, I, I noticed Malcolm played a few rounds with you guys. One round at Gullen number one. Okay. The day it was 40 mile an hour win. Mm. And Malcolm, of course, good golfer. Great, of course, great company. And uh, we really enjoy, I mean, I really enjoyed play with him. I spent most of the time chasing my ball where the wind blew it. Uh, but Carl played pretty well that day. He was, he, his driving into that wind never suffered. He never mm. lost rhythm. And uh, he uh, struck it well. I think he struck it the best of all of, of the four of us. I might have, I might have that day, yeah. yeah. I got to play with uh, Malcolm at, at London for the, for the, for the tournament. London Links. Yeah, London Links. And it was awesome because he, uh, you know, seven holes in, he says, I don't, I, I don't have my cigars with you. You mind if I have them? I said, what do you think? I mind. <laughs> right, man. <laughs> so it was, it was a great round. Great day. Now, I know you played the Dukes. You mentioned Crail. Uh, middle of your trip, you do 36 holes at Muirfield plus the whole regalia. Can you, can you just tell us about that day? Well, that was just a fabulous day. And, you know, I've read about Muirfield. I've watched it on TV. Knowing I was going to get to spend the whole day there, it was just exciting. So 
Uh, it's a brutal course. It's difficult. I think we played it from about 6,400 yards the first round, mm -hmm. which was a little long for us, what we're doing. We were playing with a PGA pro friend of mine who was yeah. Mike Neal. So we tended to want to all be on the same tee box as much as possible. So, but yeah, it's, it's such a, it's such a expansive course for that land it has. And it's so much different than any of the courses in St. Andrews, you know, it's. I think, it's I think it's the most, I think, I would say it and Dornock are the most demanding courses I've played in Scotland, just in pure golf terms. It's not the most lovable course at all. And the, the uh, clubhouse is lovable, the lunch is lovable and all that. But I think the course is just, uh, it must have been designed by a, well, it was it is old Tom Mars, but I want to say it must have been designed with a Puritan spirit mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. it has no, uh, there's no meat on the bones. It's just, you better just hit it straight and you better land it in the right place around the greens. It's unforgiving, that course. There's, there's no breather holes out there. Right. That's exactly, maybe 18. Well, maybe, you know, Unless you and, put, your, put it in the bunker there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that bunker is in front of that green and it's still 30 yards past the bunker. So it fools you. Yeah. You think, you think the green is right behind the bunker, but you, it's another 20 or 30 yeah. yards. Uh, so Muirfield, I think is a great champion chip course, but it's not, it would be the kind of course I would consider for my last sure. round on earth. And did you do your meal after nine or after 18? 18. Didn't we had the, we played four ball after that. Does Muirfield have exciting things to look at in the clubhouse? And Well, I think Carl seeing him for the first time should answer that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Um, th there's a, there's a big expanse of land between the course and the water, but mm -hmm. you're still up top looking over it. And it's just, uh, you know, it's just a beautiful, beautiful place. You know? I think the thing that sticks out to me are the paintings. They have a collection of paintings of, you know, of the honorable company in their beautiful red coats. I think they're velvet coats. And uh, of course, I'm thinking, where can I get one of those? But I don't think you can get them unless you're a member of the honorable company. And uh, but the uh, the paintings and the uh, of course, the trophy cases. Mm -hmm. and the club yeah i think in terms of just clubhouse and i've never been in the rna so i can't uh it's the most impressive i've ever been in scotland yeah you definitely feel the history as soon as you walk in the clubhouse yeah. and are you imbibing over your meal oh yeah yeah oh yeah you must have had some nice wines along the trip and <laughs> we might have had a little too much wine at least i did i'll tell you though i have a I'm in love with Iron Brew. Mm -hmm. Rob, you know what that is? I do not. That's their Coca-Cola in Scotland. Oh. Iron Brew. And it just kills me that I can't get it here because I, I drank it the whole time I was over there if I wasn't drinking alcohol. And I must say, I, I'd wonder if your viewers feel like I do about Iron Brew because when I got back, I was like, thinking, how do I get this stuff? But you can't outside mm -hmm. of Scotland. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And you didn't play Renaissance. No. But perhaps the next time you might. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you'll get an invite. Uh, and you mentioned uh, playing foursomes. Is that what you did in the afternoon? Did you experience yeah. any other uh, uncommon formats for you, Carl, while you were over there? 
No, that was the only one we really deviated on. Mm -hmm. Our standard, you know, playing our own ball. That's part of the tradition. And and for and it's an awesome way to play. It's a great fast way to play your afternoon round after you know yeah. a full belly and a, <laughs> a many drinks. It's a great way to play. Just briefly, you must have met members of maybe all of these clubs. Did you spend a little time in each of the clubhouses after your rounds on this trip? Well, at Muirfield, of course, we were sitting next to them at lunch. Right. And uh, so we had, and they're always so welcoming. You know, before I ever went to Scotland, I heard Muirfield was stuffy. I've never found it. I think I've played there three times. Mm -hmm. I've always found the members that are very welcoming and the staff. And so, yeah, and you get a, a sense of how much, when they learn you're playing Hickory, they are welcome. They're like, welcome. We're so glad you're here. We're so glad you're dressed the way you are. Uh, wish we had the guts to do it ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's great to have you guys uh, go to the trouble to come here and play and play this course with those clubs. Right. And we had uh, experiences at other clubs too. I mean, uh, Carl, didn't we? Yeah. I mean, the one great thing about taking the hickory is there is people understood what we were trying to do, what we were doing. You do that here and they're just kind of saying, why would you do that? Right. Instead, you know, there they understood what we were doing and why. And I think they were, uh, you know, they applauded us for what we were doing. Yeah. And our Crail caddies were very important members of the club, of Crail. Mm -hmm. so we got four hours worth of discussion about the club and, <laughs> and the brotherhood there. I'll tell you, when you go to Crail, you feel like you are in the middle of a golfing society and a golfing community. It, it, it's just so, so sad that Ameri you know, very few American clubs have that kind of feel and have that kind of community uh, golf spirit. Mm -hmm. And so I, I know you guys balloted to get on the old course. How many efforts did it take? And did you well, ever get up in the 3 a.m. to wait in line or did you just try to do the ballot? Well, COVID has put away the wait in line right now. There's, oh. none, there's none of that. So everything's electronic. And, and we tried it for three nights, three days that we could afford to play. You know, we could cancel the round. And finally, the last, last effort, yes. we got it. So. But there's an important thing that Carl left out there. I mean, I went over to talk to the starter about getting Carl on by himself because I was worried he wasn't get to get to play the old court. And there were all these threesomes going on. They wouldn't add a new player because of COVID. Oh. They wouldn't add a single to a threesome or even a single to a twosome. Uh, right. And of course, it makes no sense. And the starter completely agreed. It made no sense. It was just the orders. And so there were a lot of people saying Americans wanting to play the old course in St. Andrews. I'm, I'm I'm afraid they didn't get to play because mm. of that particular rule. Interesting. What time was your tea time at the old course? Uh, what time of day? 11.06. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. Now, I noticed you had professional photos. Is there a photographer that's sort of permanently there for all the tourists? No. David Lawrence is a wonderful guy that I met at my very first World Hickory Open. Lionel always had him come and do the photos for the World Hickory. And so I've got photos from David Lawrence of many world hickories. And as it turned out, a mutual friend of ours told David Lawrence that we were going to be there that day when da David mm -hmm. had a job there. 
So we're on the first tee, tee and he comes up and we're hugging and you're not, we're not kissing, but we're hugging. <laughs> and uh, he gets incredible shots of everybody. And a couple of Carl are like, they're, you need to have those printed out in frame. They're just so perfect. And so David Lawrence, if you're ever over there and uh, you want to have photos, that's the man to go to. Mm. Sightseeing, did you have any time for sightseeing? I know you had that one day deal. Carl, did you manage to do any sightseeing or was it just all um, play? No, I, I really wanted to go see uh, the cathedral and the graves in St. Andrews. Unfortunately, um, some of the structures there aren't very sound, so it's kind of closed off right now. So it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't fall on you, which I guess is okay. But I, I couldn't really see the, uh, I couldn't visit old and young Tom and- Yeah, Alan Robertson. Yeah, Alan Robertson. I couldn't get that close, so but I still had a fun time trying to peek through the walls to see where they might be. I must say, though, I'm a, I'm a historian, but when I'm on a golf trip, that's all I care about. Yeah, it really it's true. It's sadly true. Yeah, and uh, I love to go shopping though. Sure, <laughs> I'm always looking for got nice tweeds and and uh, tweed coats, and nice hats, and plus when you shop, you meet people. You know, you meet local people. And, I mean, yeah. I, I bought my jacket. How many jackets did I try on that I had to get the okay for? Six or seven, I think. Yeah. Where yeah. I put it on and Dio would say, nope. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, good off. advice. <laughs> uh, did you make it into the museum at the uh, RNA? Nope. No, we didn't. Oh, you didn't? That's we too didn't. bad. I mean, we were all golf. And uh, they have a great bookstore in St. Andrews. So I did come back with half a suitcase of books. Yeah, excellent. And uh, of course, it's a university town. My son now is determined to go to St. Andrews. Oh, good. It's got fringe benefits for dad. We sh oh, yeah, I'm encouraging that one. <laughs> so on reflection, what would you guys do differently? Is there anything you would have done differently now that you've had it behind you? I would have rested the first day uh, because I didn't sleep. I think if I had rested, I would have been in better shape. For those early rounds mm -hmm. uh would you play the duke's course again carl i mean the duke's course was great it was a really fun course but yeah i might play I something i'd play it again yeah where i mean what what courses would you definitely go back to that we play i mean i i i love them all i can't really kick one out or put one to the top i mean i think the funnest day we had was at gullen in the wind that was just that was just so much fun <laughs> it was fun actually but going number one is a tremendous, I think it's a very underrated golf course. Um, you know, it's right there next to North Berwick and Kill Spindies down the road too. But uh, I must say the one thing I realized is goal, the greatness of Gullen one. And, uh, but I would, I, I would definitely go back to Crail. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think I'd go back to Anstruther, but I would go back to London Links in, in, in particular. I know the new course is a great course there at St. Andrews, even though that's the day I, 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 I rested. What, what did you think of the new course? Well, I've definitely new versus old. Um, the new is a little more difficult. Definitely. And the, the new is what, 1890s or 1900? Right, yeah. 1897 old yeah. or something yeah. like that. And it's, it's a real test. I've played it three or four times, but that was the day I took my son out and I said, mm. just let's walk around. And, and you said, new, uh, 
we didn't play the castle course. Everybody we talked to said, don't play castle course. Mm -hmm. I, I want to play it at some point because I, I can't, I, you know, David Kidd is a great golf architect and it's at St. Andrews. It can't be as bad as whatever. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it's I, noticed you, I, know, I noticed you didn't play leaving. I mean, I know that it's an embarrassment be, of riches over there. Yeah, I mean, I I would go back and I would and I would play London and Leaven, <laughs> love it or leave it, and then I would. Uh, we didn't play Kingarock, the great nine-hole hickory course. We played yeah. that, that. That's a regret. I wish we had gotten to that. And uh, I did, you know, the uh, Great King's Barn. I don't think it's a hickory course at all. I've played it a couple of times, but I wouldn't want to play hickory on it. Right. Hired to. What about you? How would you rank of, of the courses we played, Carl? How would you rank? Well, still North Barracks number one for me, just because it was my first course and it was just such a great, it's, a, it's such a great course, you know. So that's that's kind of stands head and shoulders above the others. But I, I really can't, I, Gullen was awesome. Old course, of course, is awesome. Sanders is just great there. So it's, I think the only courses, the only course that I would leave out is the Duke's course. Mm-hmm. I want to. I would get on King Rock, and I would want to play Levin. And then I, I was lucky to play Musselboro, so you know, I that was that was so much fun too. And by the way, I played Ely, which is right around the corner. Yeah, yeah, it's fabulous. But yeah. we didn't get down there this time. But I, I would choose to play Ely over um, Anstruther, for example. Mm -hmm. And so, Carl, uh, I've never played the old course yet. I if if I had gone to the Who, I was planning to ballot every single day and just skip. <laughs> one or two days at the who but okay. what was it like having maybe very few aiming devices out there was it was it what was the feeling like there well it is definitely you needed a caddy out there if you don't know what your first time out yeah um, but if you're hitting your tee ball pretty good it's it's not that hard of a course from the tee you know the caddy tells you to aim over here and you just aim over there the problem for me came around the greens you know uh -huh. They're so big, but they're still easy to miss if you get in a little bit of the heather or the rough, you know, and then you're, you're trying to chip and putt to these, you know, I, I've got a, another 60 foot putt again. So that's, that's hard to get down into a lot. <laughs> and how about, did you, did you take a minute for hell bunker and 17 and I saw the picture on the bridge? Oh, yeah. Well, 17, I hit it over the, uh, where it says the old course hotel. I hit it over the old instead of course where my caddy told me to. So uh -huh. I, I favored to the left. And then as happens with Hickory, I was in the left rough there and out of nowhere, I shanked one to the right rough. So You almost hit me. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that was a whole deal one and ended our match. So, you know, unfortunately I didn't hit a good shot into 17 there, but that's okay. I was really surprised you missed that shot. Carl yeah, I mean, that, that just happened. Right? First of all, it was a decent drive. Yeah. You were in a light rough. Uh, you were in good position. And uh, I was watching you and I thought, he's going to put this up in front of the green, right side of the green and chip up and I'm toast. <laughs> so, uh, but that's the way golf is. You just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And how about the tee on 18? I always, my, my theory is that it favors playing up the right side of that fairway. So you no. can avoid the Valley of Sin, but I haven't played it. No, it no, it'll go out of bounds. Mm -hmm. What you don't realize is, in fact, we walked out there once uh, before we played it, and I showed him how up that right side, the ball can hit like 10 feet from the fence and kick right. Mm -hmm. Right. 
So you're better off playing uh, to the middle or even left center. I know that looking at it, it looks like you should play it like 30 feet off the off the rail on the right and let it come back in. Right. Liz, you don't know, you can't trust the bounce. Yeah. You can't try. And also you've got three or 400 people on the rail looking at it. <laughs> so why not hit it someplace where you know you have a shot to the green? Right. And the best part for Deal and I, we both parred the hole. He made yeah. a 10 footer. I probably had a five footer. And well, and what, how about the light when you guys got to the bridge? What the light was unbelievable. It was like I say, that was a perfect golf day. And uh, I know that I, uh, I didn't hit a great drive on 18, but I, I, you don't have to hit a great drive on 18. And I had about 160 yards to the green. And I know not to go over that green. And I know not to put it on the back of that green because putting is very sloped. So I deliberately underclubbed a little bit and left it right in front of the green where I could putt up. Mm -hmm. And I had the greatest caddy. And he said, just put it, you know, and kind of, and uh, he was just the right line. It came up about what, eight feet short, but it was on a flat area. And I basically had a straight putt, which, you know, with all those people around you and you're plus four and you're supposed to be a good <laughs> golfer and all, you know, it's like, God, how many makes <laughs> Which I, we all did. All, all of us uh, made our par putts on that home. Nice. So uh, do you guys each have a favorite memory from this trip? I mean, being my first trip to Scotland, it beat, it outdid out every, every idea I had what Scotland was going to be like. The people were nicer, the, the land was more beautiful, and the golf was even better than I expected. So I have no complaints about one thing on my trip, not one. I think I, there were a string of holes at Crail on the back nine. Weather was beautiful. Carl and I were both driving the ball great. And we were going back and forth who hit the longest drive. And we were both cranking it out there. Mm -hmm. And it was so much fun just to have like, we had about four holes in a row where we hit every shot we hit was just solid and pure. And this is when we were, you know, back and forth, one up, even one up. And just that stretch of holes with, with the commentary of the caddies just the uh, fun of looking at each other and, you know, thumbs up and all that and smoking, we're smoking cigar. That, that, that's a memory I'll never forget. Nice. Yeah. Uh, would you say that your connection to history has changed in any way, Carl, now that you've stood there and walked those links? Well, you always get a different perspective. Like what I've pictured the old course as and what I pictured where the RNA was. And now I know exactly what it looks like. And I really can't remember what I thought it used to look like. It's yeah. one of those things. Yeah. So, but it's great to be there. I know the history. I know, you know, I know the town. It's just great to walk in the footsteps of the people that were there before. It was awesome. And Deal, you've made several trips. Does it change ever, your connection to history? Does every trip deepen it just a little more? It's always like the first time. Mm. It's like anything that's truly great, work of art, books, music, it's, it's greatness in that there's such, that every time you experience it, it's like totally fresh in now. Mm -hmm. When I got on the first tee of uh, the old course, I was just as nervous as I was <laughs> the first time I got on the tee at the old yeah. course. And uh, yeah, it deepens. But another thing happens is you be, 
you get become more and more grateful to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, that now I'll be 72 in two weeks. I don't want to be maudlin, but you know, nothing's guaranteed in life, especially. Sure. Life. And so uh, I'm just so grateful that we got to do that. And uh, each time I go back, I'm like a little boy. I mean, getting on, you know, you can, you can, Carl can tell you what I acted like in a rental car place when I had to stand in line. You know, it's like, stop, get me out of here. I want to get on, get out of here and play golf. Yeah. And, and of course, playing, uh, playing with hickories and, and dressing like we do, it just even makes it even better. You yeah. know, I, I couldn't see going to Scotland and not doing that ever. So no, no way. So just a few other quick uh, cleanup questions. What do you do for yardages and everything? Do you, do you, do you use any device or you just really, I guess you had caddies a lot of the time. No, the caddies know exactly how, I mean, they don't say it's 150 yards. They say, hit, hit that, hit your eight, right. Hit your mash. And I think uh, in 11 years I've been playing Hickory golf now, I don't really need a range finder. I, I can get within five yards looking at it and I've tested myself. Mm-hmm. you know on a lot of occasions and uh i also like the idea of being totally dependent on what my senses are telling me they're not infallible of course but i'd rather fail based upon or succeed based upon that immediate connection than have it mediated by a piece of machinery yeah deal that's the way i feel when i play gutty uh, it's all about instinct and feel. And that's what makes it so much fun. And yeah. like you say, you don't succeed all the time, but that's half the battle and half the fun. Yes, I think Gutty's just like that. Yeah. Just for a minute, tell our listeners about the Southern Hickory Golf Society. How is that going? It's been, what, about two years since you started? Oh, no, it's been less than a year. I We just moved to Atlanta from Virginia six months ago. Hmm. And as soon as I got here, you know, I realized that there was a very active Carolina group and a very active sort of uh, Texas group and a very active Arizona group, but nothing sort of in between. And that would include Alabama, except for the Southern Hickory, of course. Mm-hmm. Tad, when I talked to Tad Moore about doing a Southern Hickory, he said, oh, we need it so badly. And so the idea is to bring together people from now, like Greenville, South Carolina, which is only an hour and a a little away from me where Carl lives and, you know, parts of Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi. And we have not had our first event yet because frankly, Rob, you know, the, the Hickory schedule has gotten so busy since I've been a member. Yeah. But we will do something in the early part of next year. We're looking at the famous nine hole course down at Jekyll Island. That's a Walter Travis course. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. We think having something down there in the early spring will be good. And you have members I know from multiple states. Tad's an honorary chair. Carl, you're the VP. Deal, you're the chair. I think Mike Stevens is involved. You've got a you've got a wide range. Ben Hollaback, Ben Hollaback, and we have uh, Mike Stevens, uh, and and Tyler Guthrie. Yeah, he's our Mm -hmm. artist photographer. Yeah, good. Uh, And uh, lastly. Please tell our listeners how to find you on social media. Carl, let's start with you. Well, uh, you can go ahead and find me mainly on Instagram under uh, at one stogie is the, my name. Um, at one stogie? Uh, one stogie. One stogie. Okay. One stogie. And it's, uh, I started up when I, when I found my love for hickory and started playing, I thought I'd 
can uh, put my two passions of hickory golf and cigars together and see if people, you know, and he's a very, to, uh, and he's a very good photographer. And yeah, yeah. so I, 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 that's, that's my main outlet, Instagram. Um, I'm at deal Wyatt Hudson on Facebook. I don't really do anything else uh, on Twitter. I only do classical music. I just mm -hmm. leave it. For that. Mm -hmm. And uh, people should go to Carl's Instagram feed because it has a whole history of the entire trip and it's really almost in a it feels like a narrative it's so yeah old. yeah so this was a funny one we were when we were playing london Lynx, i hit my ball into one of the uh, hazards and my partner gordon pulled it out and on my ball it says one stogie so he looked at it and he looked at me and goes i knew i knew who you were <laughs> oh really <laughs> that's what he said <laughs> that's great could you ballpark uh, basic cost to make a trip like this? Is it $3,000 all in or something in that range or maybe a little more? Okay, Carl, let's go. Let's see about, let's say, what, 1,500, 1,000 to 1,500 for an airplane ticket. Let's call it 1,000. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's call it, depending on how you do, car is the real problem. They get mm -hmm. you over there with a low price and then they stick all kinds of insurance and stuff on you. So let's call that another, let's call that 1500. And we, we paid about 1500 for our uh, lodge. We had incredible lodging in St. Andrews. Isn't that right? Yeah, that was about, that's about right. So we're up to, we're up to three, 4,000. And then you have caddies. If you use them, they're $80 a pop. And tea times at the courses, I would say we spent five grand on this trip. Yeah, and meals and... Yeah, <laughs> we just spent a lot of money on meals mm -hmm. because we were eating hamburgers and I was drinking Iron Brew. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, anything else you wanna add? We can edit anything else in that you'd like to touch on. I don't think anyone knows what kind of golfer they are until they play in Scotland or Ireland. And I think the importance of going over early and not waiting till you have a lot of money in your pocket. You know, go in your 30s, go in your 40s. I never went to play over there until I was in my 50s. And, you know, by then I was a middle-aged guy. But maybe I was ready to appreciate. But I just say, people, if you want to learn what kind of golfer you are, if you really want to find out how to be a better one, Go play in Scotland. And I would just say, go when you can. You know, the sooner the better, the younger you are, the better, but just go and experience what it has to offer there. It's, it's amazing. And go yeah. with a good and go with a good friend because it really, yep. it just multiplies the experience. Beautiful. Okay. Thank you, Rob. Thanks for putting up with me. I'm oh, happy to do it. Thanks okay. for showing me the way, Deal. <laughs> Thank you, Robert. Great, Great to see you guys. See you Bye -bye. later. Bye-bye.